Blog Talk Radio. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting in my
radio not just for your ears, but also for your spirit. Jesus in the morning radio. And you're with Barbara. God, we're grateful because if it had not been for you, we would not be here. We opened our eyes this morning, God, because you gave us the strength to open our eyes. We were able to rise because you gave us strength and our limbs and the facilities of our body. We were able to get here, God, because you blessed us and brought us the way of safety and did not allow harm to come to us, Lord. We're grateful to again come into your presence because we know where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And as we come before you today, have your way, Lord. Let flesh be crucified that you might be glorified, that your people might be edified in the name of Jesus. For God in you is life. And that's what we seek, God, life, eternal life, God. We pray, oh God, today that you will touch every person that have come seeking you, Lord. Bind the hand of the devil, God. Rebuke the hand of the enemy, Lord. God, let your anointing that resonates in this place even now. God, let there be an outpouring on your people. We need you, God, to take us to another level in you, Lord. God, we're faced with demonic forces, God. Evil spirits have come up against us, Lord, and we need to be fortified with your power. God, we can't make it on our own strength, God. We don't have enough to stand on, Lord, but we know, God, that your joy is our strength. Fill us up on today in the name of Jesus. Somebody have come this morning burdened down, God, with the issues of life, God. Somebody, God, is in the battle of their life. Somebody's, God, fighting in their mind and in their spirit, Lord, where the devil have come in to war against them, Lord. But we thank you, God, because we know greater are you that's within us than he that is within this world, God. We know, God, that you are a deliverer, Lord, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you're no short of your promise, Lord. And you're able to deliver us, Lord. Touch us on today, Lord. We need you like never before. Fill us up with the Holy Ghost, God. And give us a refilling, Lord. But when we leave here today, Lord, we can leave with your anointing, Lord. That as we meet men and women, boys and girls, they might be converted to know who you are, Lord. In the in the name of Jesus we pray. We thank you because you are a healer. You're the God that healeth thee. And healing is in your wings. And you're able to touch our feeble bodies. You're able to save our troubled souls. And in the name of Jesus, bind every demon, Lord. Every demonic force, Lord. God that comes to keep us in the same place, Lord. We're willing, God, to surrender and say yes to your will, Lord. We're willing to turn our lives, God, over into your hands, Lord, because we come to the place, God, where we realize like never before we need you, Jesus. More than anything we know, we need you, Jesus. 
while men are trying to find God, solutions to this chaotic world, God. We're looking to you, Lord, because we know for every right desire, there is an answer. And Jesus, you're that answer. There's no need for us, God, to turn hither or thither, Lord. We need but to look for you, Lord, because you're the answer, God, for our trouble lies, Lord. Touch on the day, God. Break every yoke, oh God. Save on the day, God. Deliver on the day, God. Jesus, we need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We're crying out to you, Lord. We know that you're able to save our souls. We know that you're able, God, to heal our bodies, Jesus. We know that you're able, God, to turn our situations around. Jesus, no other help we know. No other help we know. No other help we know, God. You're able, Jesus, to deliver our children. You're able, Jesus, to save the unsaved husband. You're able, Jesus, to heal the cancer patient. Nothing too hard for you, Jesus. No other God we know. We know that you're able, Jesus. We know that you're able, Jesus. We say yes to your will, God. Yes to your way, Lord. Have your way, Jesus. And we'll thank you for it. And we'll give your name the praise. And we'll bless you, Lord. Yes, we thank you, Lord. And we bless your holy name. Come on, open your mouth and give the Lord some praise. I believe every single word in Acts chapter 2 verse 17 which says, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. I believe that. I receive that word. If God has promised an outpouring of His Spirit, then I am determined not to miss it. I am determined to be among those who receive an almighty anointing from the Lord in the last days. My household will be one where the Spirit of God resides. My sons and daughters will indeed prophesy. Dreams and visions from the Lord will be the norm because of the Spirit of God. My prayer is that in these last days, I simply want God to pour out His Spirit over my life. I don't want to be involved in anything else that has nothing to do with Jesus. All I want is an infilling of His Holy Spirit. And I encourage you to desire this too for your lives. Now let us pray. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful that I have been saved by you. I am so grateful of your mercy. So great is your mercy that you would save a wretched man filled with sin like me. I pray, Lord, that in these last days as you pour out your spirit, as you fill those who love you with a fresh anointing, may I be among those who receive from you. I pray that my life would be touched, renewed, and transformed by the Holy Spirit. 
Help me, Father, not to be distracted by the things of this world, but rather I pray that I will always be focused not to miss this mighty outpouring of your Spirit. King Jesus, let your Holy Spirit flow over my soul. May he take control in my life and lead me to walk in your way and in your will. Father, I desire to have an experience with the Holy Spirit like the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 2 to 4, which says, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Lord, may the Holy Spirit move into my life like a mighty rushing wind. May the Holy Ghost fill my entire home. I pray that I too would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Your word in Mark 16, verse 17 says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. Let these signs be a reality in my life, King Jesus. Let me be able to cast out demons in your name and to speak in new tongues. I praise you, Lord Jesus. You are great and awesome. As I live my life, Father, may it be pleasing to you. May it be a life that is led by the Holy Spirit. I pray that I may live a life that is dependent on the Holy Spirit. May I live in obedience to his counsel. I pray that my heart would be one that is reliant on the guidance of the Holy Ghost. May he equip me to fight the good fight of faith. May the Holy Spirit give me the strength to resist the devil and to resist temptation. I pray that he would teach me how to be a believer who is effective in the kingdom of God. Lord, my heart's desire is to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Holy Spirit, for my life to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit and to live in the Spirit. So I make the decision today to submit, to yield, to invite, and to welcome the Holy Spirit into my heart. I praise you, Lord, for the gift of the Holy Spirit, a phenomenal gift that you gave us as believers. He is the seal of my salvation. May he help me to establish a closer relationship with the Lord. I pray that the Holy Spirit would continuously be tugging at my heart and soul, teaching me how to be obedient to the Lord, teaching me how to stand in faith and to fully trust in God. I praise your holy name, King Jesus. Be glorified. I thank you for hearing my prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Don't ever underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't underestimate the influence of the Holy Spirit. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit 
that we are convicted of sin. And as believers, we ought to desire to be filled, sealed, and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals God's will for our lives. It's the Holy Spirit that teaches us the ways of God, His principles, and His precepts. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals the deep revelations of God to us. It's the Holy Spirit that guides believers into all truth. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us in our weakness and intercedes for us. So make no mistake, we need the Holy Spirit. We must have Him to lead us. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14, In you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. You see, the Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. The Holy Spirit has sealed us. He has sealed us as belonging to God. We are marked by the Holy Ghost. So to the one who asks, how will I walk in wisdom and not fall back into my old sinful ways? The Holy Spirit will help you do this. The Holy Spirit will be the one to strengthen you. Someone may be asking, how can I remove this desire of sin within me? How do I break this cycle? Well, it's the Holy Spirit that will help you walk in purity. It's the Holy Spirit that will give you the power to overcome those tempting desires of the flesh. Someone might be asking, how do I live with boldness? How do I live as a fearless Christian in these evil days? Well, saints, the Holy Spirit will give you power and authority. He will be your helper. It's the Holy Spirit who will help you to understand and discover God's will for your life. But the key for us is willingness. Are you willing for your heart to be invaded by the Holy Spirit? Are you willing to be filled by the Holy Spirit? To be led by Him? Counseled by Him? Will you allow Him to work in you and through you? I encourage you to open up your heart. Open yourself up to the Holy Spirit. Now let us pray. Lord Jesus, fill me with your Spirit. Fill us with your precious Holy Spirit. In your word, over in Acts 2, verse 17, the Bible says, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Lord God Almighty, we say pour out your spirit on our lives. Father, we invite, we receive, we welcome the Holy Ghost. May he fill our hearts, our minds, and our lives. Move in, Holy Spirit. Bring a fresh wind of change in our lives. Bring a mighty 
and powerful change in our spirits. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you to help us walk in the Spirit so that we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Lord Jesus, may we be led by the Spirit. May we live in the Spirit and produce the fruit of the Spirit. I pray that our entire lives as believers is determined, influenced, and guided by the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that we may have a strong and lasting encounter with the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we're believing for an encounter. We're believing for an experience with the Holy Spirit in our homes. May he take over just as he did on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says in Acts 2 verses 2 through 4, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Move in, Holy Spirit. Move in like a mighty rushing wind. Sweep away every evil and unclean spirit. Sweep away every spirit of infirmity, of sickness, and of disease. Holy Spirit, take over in our homes and bring the presence of God. Bring wisdom and peace. Bring the fear of the Lord into our lives. I pray that we will have an encounter that we will never forget. An encounter that will be life-changing. One that we will remember as a turning point in our lives. Holy Spirit, give us the resilience to remain strong in the Lord. Give us a tenacious spirit that perseveres and fights to pray even when we endure difficulties. Help us to remain strong and never fall into despair. Should the devil threaten to overwhelm us, help us to remain strong, rooted and grounded in the Lord. Help us, Father, to claim the relief that you offer. Lord, show us how to let go of everything and everyone that hinders us or pulls us back. This includes the friends and people that surround us. Holy Spirit, move into our hearts like a mighty rushing wind. Take away everything toxic. Take away everything ungodly. Take away everything that leads to spiritual demise. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would set our hearts on things above. Set our hearts on Jesus Christ. Set our hearts on the kingdom of God. I pray that we will experience a, a suddenly movement in our lives. May there be a sudden transformation in our hearts. I pray for a sudden revival in our spirits. Holy Spirit, light a fire. Set our hearts ablaze. Hear us, Lord, because we need a closer walk with you. Father, we're longing for a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. And right now, I thank you. I thank you for hearing this prayer. It's in the mighty and precious name of Jesus Christ that I pray and I believe it's done. Amen.
Here's what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14 from verse 15 to 18, the Word of God says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever in the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And then verse 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. The role of the Spirit in us is to remind us of the words of Christ. He is actively doing the work of Christ and was sent by Christ to dwell in believers. Indeed, God the Holy Spirit is a wonderful helper. He helps us in our weakness. The Bible says that the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And the fruits of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit that we should desire and chase are for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So join me in prayer. Let us pray for the Holy Spirit to fill our lives, for His presence to be real and made known to us in our daily walk with God and in our homes. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I humbly bow before you today, the Prince of Peace and the Risen King. Thank you for gifting me with the Holy Spirit, my helper and my comforter. I am grateful for all the blessings that I have received and your constant presence that seeks to keep me in the will of God. I am rejoicing at the opportunity to approach you in prayer as I invite your holy presence. I hold on to your promise, Lord, that you will never leave me nor forsake me. As I endure my trials and tests, sometimes I feel so alone. I am unable to see beyond my present circumstances. I ask that you will remove the scales from my eyes during these times so that I can see your hand at work. And help me to, to always feel your presence near and around me. May I be so in tune with your works that I will sense your holy presence leading and guiding me, especially through my challenges. Lord, I have come to realize that I need a closer walk with you. I need a closer, deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. I desire the Holy Spirit so that he may teach me your ways and principles, Lord Jesus. I pray that the Holy Spirit will give me a revelation on who you are, Lord, and what your will is for me. I pray that I may have a strong and lasting encounter with the Holy Ghost an encounter that I will remember and one that will give me the resilience to remain strong in the Lord 
even as I endure difficulties or if despair threatens to overwhelm me. Help me to claim the relief that you offer, King Jesus. Please show me how to let go of my losses, knowing that some things and some friends and people even will be removed from my life. And in the bigger picture of your plan, these things will happen for my benefit. I ask that you remove my longing for toxic and ungodly things that will only lead to my demise. Instead, Holy Spirit, I pray that you set my heart on things above concerning my Savior. May you give me comfort and release me from my sorrows. Release me from my worries and replace my fear and doubts with your amazing love. A love that knows no borders. A love that is so relentless that even in my weakest state, in my sinful state, you still offer me a way to eternal life. I am grateful that your word in John 16 verse 33 says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You are a mighty God that has overcome this world and given me good reason to cheer, so that even as I face my own challenges, in you I will have peace. I will have victory. I long for a deeper encounter with you. I want to live a victorious life in the Lord. Empower me to be a believer who is totally dependent on Jesus Christ. Remove my self-sufficiency and help me to walk by faith, not by sight. Grant me the peace that Jesus has promised me, peace beyond understanding, and keep this assurance before me so that I will live an overcomer's life through your strength. Teach me the ways of God, Holy Spirit. Open my mind and my understanding about how I should live as a child of God. When the way ahead of me looks dim and dark, help me not to be afraid and to trust completely in you. May you reveal to me God's will for my life and draw me into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, my Savior, who made the ultimate sacrifice on Calvary's cross for my sins. Your word says that when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Thank you that the Holy Spirit has come, not only as a comforter, but one who will lead me into all truth. I pray that he convicts me of my faults, convict me to repent, Holy Spirit, and bring me to true repentance as I seek to walk in the way of truth. Please grant me the wisdom to discern between truth and error, and give me the strength always to choose to do what is right and pleasing to the Lord. Lord, I take comfort in your word in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, which says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I thank you for giving me freedom and liberty, King Jesus. I believe that as I draw near to you and you draw closer to me, I will be free from the hold of sin in my life. Holy Spirit, I am weak, 
but you are strong. So empower me as I pray. May I have a mind fixed on the kingdom of God. I invite you to be my counselor and my friend. Set me free from my wayward tendencies and desires. Free my mind from worries and cares, for I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of love and of sound mind. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I pray that each and every day, may you anoint me and surround me with the presence of God. As I embrace your presence and power, I ask that my life will reflect my journey with you. I want to be a living testimony of your work, Holy Spirit. Help me to use the gifts that you have blessed me with to minister to others. There is so much hurt and need in this world, so equip me for service in the kingdom of God, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence and your power. I now claim an abundant and victorious life through you. I submit to you my will, my hurts, challenges, desires, and aspirations to you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you bless me, Lord, and remain with me always. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you want to be distressed, then
know that I was still going to have to walk this thing out. I thought, you know, Jesus. I didn't know that I was still going to have to walk this thing out. I thought, you know, Jesus was going to wipe the slate. He was going to make everyone forget about the years I had spent in the world. And, you know, I thought he was going to wipe away all the witchcraft and all the effects of it. But he, he didn't. It, it came through a process. And this is when I kind of started to see the witchcraft come back almost like for revenge. And I was like, maybe I'm doing something wrong. And I began to get all these lies in my head. Like, maybe I'm not worthy enough to be delivered. Maybe God doesn't want to deliver me. Maybe the level of witchcraft that I was in is just too strong for the people doing the deliverance. I began to believe all these things and I thought maybe if I left the church, the attacks would stop. In the middle of people like praying for me, this woman of God actually came over and kind of was like, hey, like give her a second. And she just held me. She hugged me actually. And she just began to pray that my soul would be restored. And I remember at that point, like the manifestation was like anger and it was like cussing people out. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. But in that moment, it all like broke. Well, Jessica, welcome back to Della Fe Testimonies. Um, last time we recorded uh, your salvation testimony, it reached over a million views. Uh, no shock, right? Uh, what you went through is something that a lot of people are going through around the world. And so for people who may not have seen that first video that we recorded, who may be don't know you, have never seen you at all. Could you just tell us very briefly, three to five minutes, what Jesus has done in your life? Yeah, so I had lived this life of just being involved in so many different things. I got stuck in a lot of traumas and these hurts that really led me to searching for love in all the wrong places. And I began to, you know, dive into drugs. I began to dive into relationships. And eventually I found myself practicing witchcraft. And when I got into the witchcraft, I thought that maybe that that would fix me or that would be the answer. And in God's mercy, in the middle of my witchcraft, he actually radically encountered me. I was actually in my bathroom and I was seeing myself through God's eyes. And it was almost like I was seeing all of the things from that point in my life where everything was just messed up. And it wasn't that he was trying to condemn me, but he was trying to save me and give me a way out. And I heard the voice of Jesus just say, follow me. And when I heard that voice, I didn't really know what that would look like, but, you know, I began to follow and I threw away my crystals and my witchcraft and all the tarot cards I had. And I bought a Bible and began to read and pray and fast and began to chase after that voice. And now I'm here, you know, doing full-time ministry. I'm helping to spread the gospel um, and share what Jesus has done for my life. So, yeah. Come on. Well, Jessica, you know, after um, we recorded that first testimony, soon after we started working together and sharing the testimony of Jesus through Delafay Testimonies, but I've also been able to see the process that God has uh, led you through. And one of the conversations that we had was about that specific part of your testimony that deals with the witchcraft. In the first testimony that we recorded, there was, like you mentioned, traumas and all of these other things that led you to that. And for people who are watching right now, if you want 
to check out that first uh, testimony. It is going to be in the description box. We highly encourage you to go check that out so you can get a little bit of a reference of what we're going to be talking about today. But today we want to go a little bit more in detail into what got you into the witchcraft and what God had to do to begin to cleanse you, right? And so, Jessica, let's let's take it from um, the start, right? What happened that led you to go into witchcraft? Yeah, so even though the enemy, you know, the devil had been planting seeds throughout my life to kind of get me to go into witchcraft, I didn't start to like consciously or actively seek out, you know, other types of spirituality until I had actually gotten arrested. I was arrested in early 2020 for some drug-related charges. And when that happened, I remember even being like, in the jail and you know they take everything from you they take your clothes they took all my jewelry off they cut off my necklace like and i remember being in this holding cell where they give you a chance to kind of call people and two people that i called didn't even answer the phone and one person that did answer couldn't help me and it was almost like in that moment it was like if i was ever going to you know be okay i was always going to be the one who had to help myself like there was no help coming from anybody else. Like it was always going to just be me. Even in that moment, though, I wasn't aware of it at the time. The Lord kind of revealed it to me is that in that moment, I also recognized like, God, you're not here either. And so I didn't just feel abandoned by all the people around me who couldn't physically help me. But it was almost like God didn't crack open the skies to come get me. So he must be abandoning me, too. Wow. And that's where I really was like, OK, well, God, if you're not going to be here, I'm going to find something that is more consistent than you are. And that's where I kind of turned to, like, the universe. And I started turning into, like, the crystals. And I began to find myself um, searching for a lot of quick fixes. And I was even able to see, you know, that everything in witchcraft was very consistent. If you did the right formula, if you did the right ritual, you would always get this expected outcome. You know, if you wanted peace, you carry the crystal that gives you peace, you get peace. Like there was no anything in between. It was step one, step two, step three. And I really liked that about witchcraft because it, it was consistent. And I wanted something that was stable and, and wasn't going to kind of fall over or anything, you know? Yeah, you like the formula aspect of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Jessica, tell us about the progression of it, right? Because there was levels to it. You didn't just stay at the crystal. You didn't just stay um, and just believe in the universe. But you actually dove a little bit deeper into it. So for, for people who may not be fully aware of even what New Age witchcraft is, can you take us a little bit through that and then begin to also take us through of how God began to reveal himself to you and, and heal you from all of this? Yeah, so like you said, it wasn't just like the crystals one day and, and that was it. But as I began to see how quickly these things worked, I wanted more. And I was desperate, not just for, you know, control over my life, but power. You know, I wanted to be more than I was. And something the New Age began to offer me was this opportunity to not just, you know, get peace for myself, but now I could help other people get peace. And I remember finding this like identity in being this light worker or getting this title to be able to uh, share with people, you know, what I was learning. So this is where I really began to practice like tarot readings and tarot readings being like um, a form of divination, being able to talk with spirits or spirit guides. And as I did this, I would do readings for people and I would be able to kind of lead them in the next step of their life. I was able to tell them about something they were struggling with that maybe they didn't have any insight to. And it made me feel very powerful. It made me feel so useful for my whole life. I felt like I was just taking up space. And for the first time, I 
felt like, oh my gosh, I have a purpose and this is helping people. Mm. As I continued on in that, you know, I kept diving deeper because I wanted to perfect my craft. I thought if I could learn this information first, I could bring it back and give it to somebody else and they could, you know, get to the next step in in their own spiritual journey. So when I started to um, begin to like study under a spiritual teacher, I was so excited to be learning like new things and learning different details about new age that I felt like if I could just keep learning with her, if I could just keep finding something else, I could convince other people why. And, you know, there were things that she began to teach me, whether it was like astral projection or like Christ consciousness or even um, how to do inner healing, like um, psychic healings. It was almost like I'm getting these tools and I get to pass them out. And um, so it just took me like deeper and deeper, like into that. I don't Yeah. Now God met you, right? Mm-hmm. And we touched this on the last recording where he, and you, and you mentioned it earlier, where he called you out of this and said, follow me, right? And I want to talk about the journey after, mm-hmm. right? What happened after that, after you're coming out of witchcraft, drugs, all of these different things, Jesus comes, says, follow me. Now you're walking with him. What did you encounter on the other side of that? Because at first, also, you said, right, like, there was no problem with witchcraft. Every, it was a formula. You get it done, blah, blah, blah. But what did Jesus begin to show you? What did he begin to do in your life to be able to completely deliver you from that? So at the point of my salvation, when Jesus said, follow me, it didn't come with this long list of rules or even really an instruction manual about how to do it. I just heard this voice and I knew for the first time I was encountering something more true than anything I had ever encountered. And that's why I began to follow Jesus. You know, I didn't have a preacher telling me like, you're going to go to hell or this or that. I just knew that I wanted to follow this voice. So when I did, I don't think I really got the chance to like count the cost of what that was going to look like. When Jesus began to, you know, really minister to my heart and tell me things like, hey, we got to get rid of these tarot cards or we got to get rid of these crystals or even began to just open my eyes to what they really were. um, Those things seemed easy, you know, to throw away. And it was easy to get rid of them. And it was easy to start reading and praying and, and fasting. And it was easy to get into all this stuff. But eventually I was doing everything right. You know, I had left the drugs behind. I had left the new ways behind. I wasn't practicing anything, but now I felt stuck. And this is where I began to see that God was going to take me through process. And this was completely different from anything I had done in the new age. Now, for people who may be watching, Jessica, who, and and we know God talks in different ways, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people may hear from him from just reading the Bible. Some people hear him internally. Some people hear him audibly. There's so many ways that people can hear God. But when you're saying, man, God was telling me, start fasting, get rid of your witchcraft, do this and do that. What did that look like for you specifically? Mm -hmm. How was he communicating all of these things to you? A lot of it was like an internal voice or an internal knowing, uh, you know, like this is not right, but I didn't always have language for it. I didn't have like a full sentence from God. So he would lead me back to his word. And when I would begin to read, it would just confirm what I already felt was kind of like the direction he was leading me in. So if I felt like the Lord was telling me I needed to start fasting, well, I don't know what fasting is. I don't know the purpose. He would lead me to scriptures that would talk about the the true purpose of fasting, why people would fast in the Bible and things like that. And I would begin to kind of, you know, take that as confirmation and and, and start to walk in that direction. Hmm. Now, you burned your witchcraft. What happened after that? Is it like everything is is good now? We are walking with Jesus and, you know, we're everything is amazing. Um, What happened when you burned the witchcraft? 
so like I said, it, everything was so easy to like get rid of, to throw away. I'm following Christ. I'm on fire. I'm ready to follow him. But then I started to see my life. I was still like reaping or even dealing with the consequences of my past. So even though I was like, I'm following Jesus and I'm saved, I was still having to deal with things like, for example, like the court case. You know, I had gotten arrested before I had gotten saved, but I was still dealing with the consequences. And I found myself even going into like um, the court consistently and then putting these accusations on me. And I became so frustrated because I was like, God, I'm doing all the right stuff. I might as well go back, you know, to the world or go back to what I was doing before. If people are going to still treat me like I like I'm not saved, like you didn't come to already pay for it. And I even found myself being um just really frustrated, like, what's the point of doing good if all I'm seeing is still the consequences of what I was doing before? I didn't at this time see specifically, like, consequences to the witchcraft up until that point, but this was one of the first things, like, the Lord had um, begun to show me, and something he, he used to encourage me was letting me know, like, Jessica, if you, you know how to farm and you begin to, like, plant things in August, and then you are also planting things in October, which plant are you going to see bloom first? You're going to see all the things that you planted first back in August. So he began to tell me, like, if I just hold on and I just keep going, I'm going to see, like, the fruit and what I'm working for now. I'm going to see the benefits of throwing away the crystals. I'm going to see the benefits of not smoking anymore. I'm going to see the benefits of, of following him. But I had to wait for a season. And I didn't really understand that because in the witchcraft, it was like, if I wanted an answer, pull the tarot cards out and get it done. If I wanted, you know, peace, put your dream catcher up and you could sleep peacefully. You know, I didn't understand why Christ was different. I didn't understand why there was a challenge almost to do the right thing. And, and, and that really, I struggled with that for a long time. Even with like the court case that I was dealing with, it was like almost like a year and a half full of court cases getting changed, lawyers being changed, just different things until I actually saw like the promise of the Lord, where he had actually was able to remove the consequences. And it wasn't that, you know, Jesus didn't want to to set me free from even pieces of my past, but it was just going to take time. And I remember just being so frustrated, but I knew that the Lord had told me that he was going to take care of this case. I knew he had told me that he was going to deliver me from it. Um, I just wanted it in my timing and I wanted it like now. And I remember there even came a point like, over a year and a half later, I'm just walking with God, and I still haven't seen it until one day he, like, I actually get a text from my lawyer, and my lawyer just, um, you know, texts me. It's like the middle of the night. It's this crazy circumstance. I'm actually at a conference, and my lawyer just texts me, and he's like, hey, Jessica, I spoke with the, prosecu the prosecutor. He actually says that we're going to be able to um, drop your charges completely if you can maintain good behavior for the next 90 days. And I was like, wow, that's fantastic. Praise God. So I just began to praise the Lord and, you know, jump and pray and dance. And then my lawyer texts me back and he's like, hey, I actually spoke to the prosecutor again. Uh, he actually wanted to shorten that time. So if you can maintain good behavior for the next 60 days, the charge will be cleared and we can look at getting it off your record. So at that point, it was like I saw that God didn't do, you know, the cleaning up of my life in the time I wanted, but he did it. I began to see like through that, that like God was a God of process, you know, and that he wasn't just trying to, he wasn't trying to copy the witchcraft. He wasn't here to be my quick fix or my solution. He was here to actually like process my character, like in that time as well. Yeah. Even as the Lord was like taking me through this process, you know, I had multiple processes going on and I wasn't expecting this. I thought, you know, when you came to Christ, like this is the quick fix. And people will tell you that they're like, you know, come to Jesus and he's going to solve everything. So when it didn't look like Jesus was solving everything for me, I was like, this is a scam. <laughs> I was like, I got pulled into this and I didn't know that I was still going to have to walk this thing out. 
I thought, you know, Jesus was going to wipe the slate. He was going to make everyone forget about the years I had spent in the world. And, you know, I thought he was going to wipe away all the witchcraft and all the effects of it. But he like he didn't. It, mm-hmm. it came through a process. And this is when I kind of started to see the witchcraft come up come back almost like for revenge. For the first time in my life, I started to experience sleep paralysis, which is something in the world I had never dealt with. And even in witchcraft, I never dealt with. But when I decided to repent and turn from that, I started to deal with sleep paralysis. I started to deal a lot worse with these voices in my head. Yeah. And really quick, Jessica, for people who may not know what sleep paralysis is, or maybe have never experienced it, could you just kind of briefly tell us what that is? Yeah. So sleep paralysis in the way that I experienced it, it was almost like I would wake up and I would mentally be awake, but I physically, I couldn't move my body and I would be trapped in my bed with a figure or something, you know, or there's just deep fear like coming over me as though like I couldn't breathe, I couldn't scream and nothing I did would like break it except for like calling on Jesus. So I would see, you know, Jesus was still the answer to the sleep paralysis, but I was never getting attacked before. Mm -hmm. So why had I joined this team just to become a target? That really like made me struggle. And I even was dealing with, you know, like voices in my head, you know, telling me to hurt myself, telling me to hurt other people, even uh, getting just visions of, of, you know, spirits just bugging me. Like it was, it was really just this torment. I would even seek, you know, help for it, even in the church. And the advice I always got was pray about it, read your Bible, maybe fast about it. And I already was doing all those things. So it was really discouraging for me, you know, to come to this point of like, isn't the church supposed to help us? Isn't, you know, Christianity is supposed to make everything better. Like, I don't get it. And so I was, I was wrestling between had I made the wrong decision, like coming to Christ, you know, with all of this warfare, is it even worth it? And I was, you know, aware of spiritual warfare, but it wasn't described to me in this way. Again, I was saved, you know, supernaturally just with Jesus. So I didn't really even have people walking with me for the first couple of months anyways. Mm. So even then I was alone. I didn't have anyone who could tell me, oh, you know, the devil's just trying to discourage you or he's trying to attack you because now you're on, on God's side. But I felt like this was a consequence of putting the witchcraft down. So I became really discouraged and, and almost completely frustrated and just just stressed. And even as I did find a church and I began to really just try to seek um, deliverance or the ministry of like casting out of devils, like, um, because I I knew at this point, like, this wasn't just like a chemical imbalance. This wasn't just like depression or even just like these thoughts I was having. Like, this was like a a demon that was speaking to me, that was influencing me. And it was something I needed freedom from. And so I began to search for this freedom, like in the church. And I come from a church that's pretty heavy in deliverance. Like, it's not something that's not talked about or anything. But I still was not getting the breakthrough that I felt like I needed. Mm. And it seemed like every time I would go up to the altar and people would pray for me or say, you know, come out in Jesus name and all this stuff, nothing would break. And it was so frustrating because it was like, isn't this how it's supposed to work? Isn't this the ritual, you know, step one, two, three, you know, you yell at the demon, the demon comes out, I'm free. Like, that's what I kept waiting for to happen. Mm. Now, before you get to that, that, to that breakthrough, Jessica, in your life before, was this something that you heard about, knew about when it came to deliverance in the world of witchcraft? Is this a conversation that you guys have, like the fact, the possibility that you can actually have a demon inside of you? I think people are aware of evil spirits, but in witchcraft, they do teach us a lot about our authority in the spirit and also safety. So it, it I was taught about like, you know, if there's a demon around you that's annoying you, you know, tell it to go away or something. But I never heard the concept like that these demons would, you know, possess you. But 
even on the witchcraft side, possession was talked about in a very positive light. So maybe they were teaching me that, but I didn't know it because there would be um, moments with automatic writing, which is something I would practice where you would give spirits permission to move your hands uh, mm. to write out a message that they might have for you. And while I thought of it as like, you know, the demon's going to like take your pen with your hand and do it, what I was actually doing was inviting spirits into my body to mm. take control of my vessel and begin to write these messages out. So it's kind uh, of like the Ouija board, no? Kind of, yeah, I would say so, yeah. Even like with things like psychic healing, you would be looking for, you know, emotions or, or, or hidden emotions in your body, and you would ask your higher self, which isn't another spirit, they'd believe it's not another spirit, to, you know, locate that in you. And they'll locate it by moving you physically around. And I used to get moved around my room almost like a pendulum, um, and that's what they teach us. So I was actually inviting, you know, possession to happen, but it was never like, oh, you're being possessed by a demon and that's a bad thing. It's like that's your spirit guide and they're helping you. So I, I probably did know about possession, but not in the way that the church does. Right, where it was against you, but mm-hmm. rather for you. So you're at the church. Now you're getting, you're seeking deliverance. You're seeking to, to remove this as these, these attacks. So tell us about that. How did that breakthrough happen? Mm-hmm. What was that process like? It actually got to a point where I just became so discouraged, and I was considering leaving the church. I was considering leaving, like, Jesus because it was just like, why am I not getting free? And I would look at other people around me, and it would seem like deliverance worked so well for them, and it Mm. wasn't working for me. And I was like, maybe I'm doing something wrong. And I began to get all these lies in my head, like, maybe I'm not worthy enough to be delivered. Maybe God doesn't want to deliver me. Maybe the level of witchcraft that was in is just too strong for the people doing the deliverance. And I began to believe all these things, and I thought maybe if I left the church, the attacks would stop. You know, because it was getting to the point, like, whenever I would talk about witchcraft, this, like, confusion, it was like a fog would come on me, and I would start to feel like I was losing my mind. Or if I would go into a store that was selling, like, witchcraft objects, even just, like, a tarot card or something really simple, it didn't have to be the whole store, I would feel like something was physically trying to pull me out of my body, and it was almost like when you dissociate. It was just this violent, like between the spiritual realm and between the physical realm and I didn't know where I was and it was just this deep confusion so it it, it was making even going out in public like really hard mm. and so I thought you know maybe all of this will stop if I just like quit Christ at this point you know even when they would have people come up to the altar they're like we're gonna pray deliverance for you you guys know you need freedom like come up I would just stay in my seat because I was like I don't want freedom if it's just gonna look like me screaming crying you know manifesting rolling around on the floor but I'm still waking up and hearing this voice, you know, telling me to, like, go kill myself or something. Like, I am not getting free from this. So there actually came one time that a woman of God, she was praying for me because she saw me struggling. And when she prayed for me, she prayed something different. Usually people would lay hands on me and try to cast the devil out, but she began to pray for my soul and for my soul's restoration. And when she would pray this prayer, literally I left the church that night with so much peace that I hadn't had for months, almost a year uh, actually at that point. Now, really quick, Jessica, I, I know a little bit of your testimony. So tell me more about that moment, though, because were you in a state, a state of tranquility when that happened or were you also uh, manifesting? Like, tell us about that moment, because you just said, right, like you didn't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. That's you didn't you weren't interested in that spectacle, let's say, right, mm-hmm. as some people may call it. But when people begin to pray, what happened in that moment exactly? 
So actually, somebody who was speaking, I, I remember I was like in the back row, somebody who was speaking just like mentioned witchcraft. And the spirit that was like oppressing me was doing exactly what you said, like creating a spectacle. And I would leave the church usually feeling so embarrassed that I was like, I'm not I'm not coming to church anymore if this is what this spirit does every single time. What was that, though, that was happening? I would like throw myself to the ground and I would be like screaming and crying and like hitting things, hitting people. And that was what was going on in that moment. And that's why she came over because she, she saw I was uh, in, in in distress. And actually other people had come over before her and were like, you know, trying to get the devil out, you yeah. know, praying for me, come out in Jesus name, you know, every spirit of witchcraft, every spirit of this, we bind you, we everything. And they were trying to cast it out and nothing was working. And so I'm sitting on the floor feeling like I, I hate this. I was just like, mm. I am, this is so embarrassing. I don't want to be here. I'm tired because deliverance can be physical physically exhausting. So it's like, I just, I'm done with this. I'm over it. In the middle of people like praying for me, this woman of God actually came over and kind of was like, Hey, like give her a second. And she just held me. She hugged me actually. And she just began to pray that my soul would be restored. And I remember at that point, like the manifestation was like anger and it was like cussing people out. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. But Mm. in that moment, it all like broke. She just began to minister to my soul and I began to weep in a way I had not wept in so long. And I remember like getting up from the floor afterwards and just being like, oh my gosh, like whatever that was, like it just gave me hope that maybe there was freedom in this process. And so I actually reached out to her and I was like, hey, you know, woman of God, whatever you prayed for me the other day, I need you to pray it again because I'm still looking at it like a ritual, you know. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe this is the key. Give me, you know, the next step to mm. the the um, promise. I was like, okay, like, let's get together. So we actually ended up going through a couple months of what I would later learn to be um, inner healing, where we began to invite, like, the Holy Spirit into my, my testimony. And we began to walk through my testimony piece by piece, things that I had never told anyone, confessing for the first time ever, and seeing, like, my soul become freer and freer every single time. And we wow. began to ask the Holy Spirit, like, Holy Spirit, like, what lies am I still believing? You know, what is this stronghold? Where did this come from? And I began to just process through my testimony. And then we begin to ask the Holy Spirit, like, what is the truth that I should be believing? You know, what is, what is your desire for this? You know, and I begin to see like even my perspective change on who God was and where he was during my story. And we did this probably for like three months, you know, meeting kind of like weekly, uh, biweekly or stuff, just doing this and even getting me to a point of forgiveness, you know, and not just to the point of being like, oh, I forgive this person because that was easy to say, but getting to the point where I could walk through and talk through what somebody had done to me and be able to invite the Holy Spirit into that place of my life as well. And really not just forgive in the sense of the word, but release them from what I felt like they owed me. In that, I found so much breakthrough, so much so that I actually, you know, one day was at church and I went up to the altar just because they had been like, you know, we're just going to pray that you are encountered by the Holy Spirit. And I was like, okay, I can do that. And when I got up there, the man of God laid his hand on me just to pray that I would encounter the Holy Spirit and walked away. And I felt just fire like through my whole body and I remember my stomach started to hurt so bad and I was like God I'm I'm doing the right thing like why does this hurt so bad and he was like Jessica after today you will never deal with the spirit of witchcraft inside you again and I was like what and I hadn't gone up there expecting deliverance or anything but I began to manifest I began to like cough and, and 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 just let this out and after that I got up off the floor and usually when I would get up off the floor in deliverance I would hear a voice that says haha like I'm still here I'm not going anywhere but this time the voice was gone and I was like what and I was like god what was different 
what was different this time from the last time? And he, he took me back to that process of inner healing. I was removing all these spaces where these spirits were taking hold in my soul by forgiving, by removing them from bitterness, by repenting, by even just bringing things to the light so God could deal with it. Because there were so many things that I had kept secret, not because I was, you know, trying to keep them a secret, but I didn't know how I was supposed to talk about that stuff. So I, I found myself in this, this freedom now, suddenly, like in a, in a moment, all because I had taken the time to allow God in, not just into like um, my life, but into my soul and into my hurt places. It was actually really interesting that the Lord would take me through this process because he was walking me through my testimony and he was processing this. And actually a couple months before I had started this inner healing uh, journey with this woman of God, I had actually submitted to share my testimony on Delafay on the platform and I didn't hear back yet. But if I would have tried to share my testimony then, it would have been a completely different testimony. It would have been a testimony about how the devil had tossed me around for 20 years until that point and how I had had no breakthrough since. And that was all I had to share. Um, and I knew that the Lord had wanted me to share my story. I knew that he saw what I didn't see, but I tried to do it, you know, in like my timing. And I tried to just go for it, right? But after I had gone through this process, it was almost like God gave me power in that moment to be able to obtain his promise. So he had promised me I was going to share my story and people were going to hear it, but he had taken me through the process so I would have the power to be actually able to share it. Mm. And when that inner healing was done and I was able to get my deliverance, then you called me. You were like, hey, are you still interested in sharing my testimony? And I was. And so we were able to partner and the testimony's out how it is now, but that came from processing, right? right. And so... Now I can look back, I can be like, oh my gosh, like God definitely had a plan and he had a purpose for that time. But in the midst of it, I was like, there is no point. None of this makes sense. Mm. But it it got me to that next place. Um, and you would think like walking with God like that would have got me to the point where I was like, oh, I understand like God's not magic. Like we have to go through to get to the other side. But I still wasn't there. And I was still in this place very discontent and very angry because I was still waiting for God to give me like a, a ritual or a, a, again, a one, two, three. This is the exact formula every time, you know, tell me to pray this much time a day, read this many chapters, and I'll get this level of authority in the spirit. That's what I kept waiting for. And it never came. And so I was like, God, I'm doing all the right stuff. I read my Bible. I pray. I fast. I do all the things but I'm not getting the power that I felt like I wanted. And there was actually a point that I began to really just become discontent with my walk. I was angry. I was like, okay, God, I know I'm saved. I know, you know, you've delivered me before. You cleaned up my life. I'm living in restoration. I've shared my testimony. Now what? Like, I'm bored. And I know that was like prideful of me, but it was, it was just what I was going through. I was just like, I can't do this. And I remember thinking back to the witchcraft, like when I was in witchcraft, like I felt powerful. I could read people's lives. I could tell them about themselves. Like I was in communion with these spirits that would show me things. I felt like I was always seeing some new mystery in the spirit. And here I am, like, what do I do? You know? Like, I'm living this mundane, like, Christian life, and I didn't get it. Through other people's eyes, I was not living a mundane Christian life. I w I'm in a very supernatural church. I have a very supernatural community. So it was everything but mundane, but I was still, like, discontent. And I actually began to look at, like, the people around me that were in my church or even people that were getting elevated in the Christian community, and I began to get jealous, and I get began to get very, like, angry, and I began to compare myself. And I began to be like, you know what, God, like, I know more than them spiritually. I can tell you that person right there 
I could I could tell you way more than they can tell you about, you know, your word, about the spiritual realm, about all these things. Like, I'm more qualified than they are. I should be in the spot that they're in. And I spent, like, a whole season, like, months grumbling to the Lord, like, God, like, this isn't fair. They don't have the spiritual skills I have. They don't have the spiritual gifts I have. And I began to, like, really wonder, because in witchcraft, I felt like my gifts were acknowledged. Versus in God, it was almost like he didn't care about my gifts at all. And that made me mad because for me, my whole identity was in what I could do, not in who I was, you know? So it was like, God, what do we do with this? And of course, God in his mercy, because he's so kind. He took the time to explain to me and give me an answer, though he didn't need to. He told me, you know what, Jessica, the credits don't transfer. And I was like, what do you mean the credits don't transfer? And this is like an inner voice. Like um, sometimes I hear the voice of God almost audibly, but it's definitely inside my head. But he was like, the credits don't transfer. And when I heard him say that, I was like, what credits? Like, what are you talking about? And he began to show me like two schools. He was like, you were in one school, right? And you were pursuing a degree in one field. And then you transferred to another school. You changed your degree and your field completely what do you think would happen? And it's like, well, the credits for this degree wouldn't transfer to the credits for that degree. And I might have to start over. Mm. And I was like, oh, and this revelation like blew my mind because I had been comparing myself to people who had been walking four years in the same degree, you know, with God, walking with, with Jesus faithfully and not necessarily like it's about time or anything, but they were walking faithfully and they were passing the tests and they were going through the processes and not skipping any stages. And because of that, they were graduating, you know, to the next step level. And I, as a freshman in God, was looking at these graduates thinking that I should be walking on this stage too. And I was like, oh my gosh, God, like, I'm sorry, you know, for one. But it was also just like, but I don't get it. Like, why does it matter? You know, why does it matter that I, I've spent all this time with you or, you know, things like that. And I was still looking at, you know, my skills should be how I get to the next level. Like, I, this should be based on merit. But then the Lord began to show me it's based on relationship. It's based on character with him, you know, and if I wasn't ready, if I hadn't known the Lord that long and not just known of him, you know, but walked with him, tested out of his like processes, you know, been faithful to what he's given me to do, you know, why do I think that I'm going to go to the next level? Around the same time as well, I even began to get like visits, not that I was being oppressed by these spirits, but I was getting visits and visions from like spirits that were trying to call me back into witchcraft. And I didn't have any language for this. And I thought maybe I'm a bad person because I'm thinking about all this stuff. And eventually somebody gave me language that, you know, when you make covenants with witchcraft, witchcraft tries to come back to collect. And I didn't know that. Um, but I began to get visions of like my tarot cards and I would hear whispers like at night, like if you come back to this side, I'll give you your vision back. I'll give you your prophetic sight back. Like, I'll give you this power and this power back, and you'll be powerful over here. It was almost like in my discontentedness, in my grumbling, in my comparison, I had, like, reopened that door for witchcraft to try to lure me back into it. Wow. I began to feel, like, bad for even having these thoughts of wanting to go back to witchcraft, but I was so discontent with where I was at. I thought that I should be so much further. I thought that, you know, this was going to be quick. Nobody told me that walking with Christ was going to be a process. And that's when it finally like hit me when I got to that point. And when the Lord was explaining this to me, that's when it finally hit me that no matter how easy of a, like a solution I wanted, that was never going to be what it was like walking with Christ. And that wasn't to mean that, you know, walking with Christ wasn't good. You know, he had restored my life completely. He had given me a job. He had given me opportunities to share my story. He had really fulfilled a lot of my desires um, that I needed. But 
spiritually walking with him was always going to be a process. And that's when it finally hit me was like, I cannot escape this process. I can't go around the process. I can't go under it. I have to go through it. When I got to that point, it was almost like, okay, God, so you keep talking about process, but what's the point? Like, what's the point of the process? He began to show me that the point of walking out the process was to look more like Jesus and to be an accurate representation of who he was. And the whole time I was in Christ, you know, I had gotten my salvation and then I was running the race to be the most, I don't know, powerful Christian out there, to be the most heavy in the spirit, to be the one who could cast out all the demons or be the most gifted in Christ. And I realized that's not why he saved me. He saved me so that I could look more like Jesus and be a good representation of him to other people who did not know Jesus yet. And at that point, I was like, oh, okay, so what are you trying to process out of me then? What about me doesn't look like Jesus? And I began to, instead of looking at everybody else, trying to compare and look at their process and and what they were going through, and I began to look at myself. God, what still needs to look like Jesus, you know? What still doesn't? And I was at this point, I was like, man, I, I do Christianity well. I read my Bible. I pray. I fast. I go to church twice a week. You know, I serve on the teams. I'm doing all the things. I'm checking all the boxes. I'm doing my one, two, three step. I should be here. Hmm. But he was like, no, it's your character. When I was able to, like, take my eyes off of them and onto me again, the Lord began to show me. He was like, Jessica, you know, even though you've put down the witchcraft, physically. You don't play with the crystals. You don't do tarot cards. You still have witchcraft in your heart because you're rebellious. And I was like, rebellious? Me? Who? And I I was confused because it was like, it wasn't like I was, you know, starting fires in my city or anything, but I was in rebellion every single time, you know, my church leaders, some of the delegated authority that God himself delegated authority to them, when they would tell me, you know, things and give me instructions and I would disobey. I'd be like, that's a suggestion. I don't need to listen to that. I'm grown. I'm an adult. Who cares? He was like, in those moments, you're still in witchcraft. You're in rebellion but you think that you need to go to the next level. He began to just show me myself in just different ways. And I was like, oh, there's still so much work to be done. It got me to this place where I was able to like repent, of course, and be like, okay, God, I'll do your process your way this time. It wasn't easy. Like even submitting to God's process didn't make it easy. And there were, you know, things that had to be removed, people that had to leave, incidences where I still didn't understand what God was doing. But he eventually brought me to this place where he was like, Jessica, I'm never going to leave and I'm never going to forsake you. I'm never going to abandon you. And when he told me this, it was like, okay, so if God has to sit and watch my process the whole time, he's definitely going to make it beautiful in the end. Hmm. He's not just looking at my process and like cringing the whole time. And he's like, dang, she's got to figure that out. He literally is intimately involved with my process and how it turns out. Now I understand process a little bit better. I understand that I'm conforming to the image of Christ, and I understand this is a lifelong thing. I'm not going to get to 50 and I'm like, okay, I've I've passed the final test. I'm done. I'm going to keep walking this because there's always going to be a way where I can look more like Jesus, where I can represent him even better than I did yesterday. That's like encouraging because now I'm not looking for an end goal, but I'm also able to know like God is in this for the end. Like he's not going to just start and like take me halfway through a process where I'm struggling and it's hurting. And then he's going to abandon me in the middle and be like, Oh no, you kind of messed up there. Like process on your own. He's not going to do that to me. Now (laughs) I'm here and I'm able to go through the process with the knowledge that it is going to be good. Eventually there is going to be good after this. And the Lord even began to show me, you know, even Jesus went through these processes. Like I'm not alone in that. And he began to show me like, 
Jesus went through processes so he could get the power to obtain promise. Even his own process, like going to the cross, you know, and dying for our sins wasn't something that Jesus wanted to do. It wasn't something that came easy to him. In fact, he kind of asked God if there was any other way, like if he could do it. But he allowed himself to go through the process so he would have the power to actually go to the cross, to be able to get the promise of our salvation, which he won through dying on the cross. And, you know, when the Lord was able to show me, like, I'm walking the same processes that Jesus was walking out, you know, it made it all okay almost. But, yeah. And Jessica, you've kind of answered this in in your testimony already, but I I, want to give you another space just to talk a little bit more about this. For people who may be watching and saying, well, you know, witchcraft is, witchcraft is quicker. I can get the love that I want quicker. I can get the money that I want quicker. You know, I can get whatever I want quicker. Why Jesus? Yeah, so you can get it quicker, but it will be temporary, and it will cost you a lot. Something I didn't understand with God is why he wouldn't just use me, why he wouldn't just send me out and have me, you know, praying and prophesying and doing all the things that I felt like I need to be doing until my character was better. You know, I didn't understand that. But I saw something in the New Age that I don't see in Christ, is that the New Age will use you. You'll be completely out of your mind. You'll be completely depressed and broken. And the New Age will use you just for your gifting, right? So it's like, yeah, you'll get the power you're looking for. You'll get that affirmation. You'll get the quick fix of being able to help somebody, but you'll never be whole yourself. So it's like, it's going to cost you literally your ability to be whole. And it'll only last for a little bit. Because when those customers don't come for your tarot readings anymore or when uh, the crystals aren't enough to bring you peace, like, what do you have then? So I would say Jesus because it's the only thing that's going to be permanent. And through process, you know, when you're working for years before you see, you know, some of these things, before you see some of these promises, they're not promises that are going to be taken from you lightly. They're things that are going to remain because you, you built them up. You worked hard for them. You know, anything that's given to you in the new age can be taken tomorrow. But in Christ, everything that you're building, like, has not just rewards for your whole life here, but eternal rewards that we're going to see in heaven as well. Jessica, can you encourage real quick that person right now that just burned their witchcraft are in that process and need some encouragement because they're going through it just how you went through it? Can you just speak to that person that's watching right now? Yeah. You didn't make the wrong choice. You're exactly where you need to be. You just have to hold on. And I know it can be so much easier to just go backwards, but you won't find what you're looking for over there. And in fact, it's going to be worse. And the devil will tell you, like, you know, you shouldn't have ever left. Christ isn't worth it, but he is. And actually, my whole life, you know, when I was able to, when I'm able to look back, like, my whole life has been completely restored. Sure, I've had moments where I haven't been happy with the things, way that things have turned out or the way that God did things, but I would never want to go back to where I was before because I have nothing back there, you know. So just continue to to push. And there's even a scripture, you know, um, in Isaiah where it talks about that he who waits on the Lord will renew his strength. So just continue to like push and continue to walk because even when you feel like you get tired, God's going to give you another dose to keep going and to keep walking through your process. And he will give you that power to obtain your promise at the end of it. Jessica, how how is Jesus continuing to be Jesus in your life today? He has proven that he still is not planning to leave me. He didn't leave me when I was in drugs. He didn't leave me when I was in witchcraft. He didn't leave me in the middle of the process. And even now, I don't really know where I'm going. I don't really know where even this ministry takes me next. But I know that God's going to be there. 
And the one thing that I found is, you know, even at the beginning of my testimony, I was looking for something consistent. And the one thing I found that has been the most consistent is Jesus. And he's still the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever. And I know that he will always be God and he'll always be my father, my helper. I don't have to do any of this by myself. So he's walking me through this and and he hasn't left my side. Jessica, any last words for people who are watching your testimony on the other side of the screen? I would say count the cost. I know a lot of the times people will sell Christianity as this quick fix as well. Come to Jesus. It'll all get better. And then they forget to tell you in the fine print, like, yeah, you got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, but just count the cost. It's not bad to question like, God, what am I going to lose by doing this? What am I going to have to sacrifice? What, what is going to have to be left behind? This gives you an ability to, to, to measure and endure what you're about to build and what you're about to do with Christ. So really count the cost um, when you're coming to Christ and, and as you're walking with him, uh, continue to involve him in that. Um, but he'll, he'll see you through the entire process. Like everything that you're willing or you're going to have to give up is going to be like nothing compared to what God is going to give you and what he's going to do and how he's going to use you in your life. So. Jessica, for the parents who are watching your testimony right now, who have children um, that are dealing with witchcraft, that are involved in witchcraft, maybe they're seeing the crystals around their neck, maybe they're starting to see, you know, the different books. From your perspective now, on the other side and being on both sides, what is an encouragement that you can give to the parents that are seeing this and don't know what to do? Mm -hmm. An encouragement, I would just tell you to trust the Lord. Because if he's allowing even that, there's a purpose for it. You know, if he is allowing your kids to maybe even dabble into this or or to touch it, like there's something he's going to do on the other side. Just as much as God loves you and he's been faithful to you, he's going to be faithful to your your kids to, to rescue them from that. And I would say your role as parents is to continue to pray for them, always praying for them, but loving them. Because as we know, witchcraft is, you know, has a root of bitterness, of, of hurt. So just loving them, giving them a space to be able to encounter the love of Christ that it genuinely can and will lead them to repentance. But sometimes I know it can be easy to be like aggressive or even like angry with them, but they're just trying to find God. But you're the best example of God that they have. So just continue to ask God how you can be a better representative of Jesus to them so that they'll be able to kind of turn from what they're practicing. They're just trying to find the truth. And if they can find him in you, um, they'll be able to see Jesus too. So. Lastly, uh, Jessica, could you just pray for people who are watching your testimony right now, for people who may be struggling this, for people who maybe know that somebody who's struggling in this, or maybe for even that person who's never been through this, uh, but has a heart to help people that are struggling with this. Could you just pray for them really quick? So Jesus, we just thank you for this opportunity and for everybody who's watching. And Lord, I just ask that you would just begin to minister to people's souls, Lord, that you would begin to touch that person who feels alone, who feels like I did, like they're drowning and nobody can help them. Lord, I pray that you would begin to pull them out of that place. I pray, Lord, in the same way that you told me that you will never leave me and you'll never forsake me, that they would hear that today and they would believe it. And Father, I pray that they would just hold on to your unchanging hands, God, and that they would be able to walk and endure this promise because you 
say in your word, God, that they those who endure to the end will be saved, but they shall also reign with you, God. I thank you, Lord, that there are promises that we get and we obtain by enduring. So I pray, Lord, that everybody is watching would just get a fresh breath of endurance, God, that they would just be given the power they need to get to the next step. And Lord, I pray that you would even just give them rest, God. I know it can be so difficult when we're going through torment, when we're struggling, Father, and it can be so easy to give up, but I pray, Lord, that you would just be their rest, that you would be their shalom, their peace, God, and that they would be able to rest in that until they get to the next spot. And so, Father, we just thank you for them. I pray for full and complete restoration, and I thank you, Lord, for the joy that comes next as they continue to endure. In Jesus' name, amen. Spreading the love worldwide. www.jesusinthemorningradio.com A gospel journey. Trouble sometimes are here, filling in hearts with fear. Freedom we all hold dear, now is that stay. Humbling your heart to God, saves from the chastening rod.
a life centered around God, is not just rewarding. It's the very essence of true fulfillment in your life. Number one, understand the ultimate priority. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This isn't a mere statement. It's a profound truth. Every day, life presents us with an array of choices. It's like being at a grand buffet with so many dishes to pick from. What do you prioritize? The world offers temporary pleasures, wealth, fame, luxury, and all the material stuff you can think of. But what does God offer? God offers himself, which covers everything. When we prioritize God, we aren't merely adding him to our list. We are placing him at the top. By aligning ourselves with God's purpose, our entire perspective shifts. Life's challenges, rather than appearing as insurmountable obstacles, become lessons. They evolve into opportunities for growth and self-discovery. And you know what's interesting? When we place God first, everything else falls into place. It's like that void we once had. It's filled, that deep emptiness within us. Like there's something missing, it's gone. Because when we place God first, we begin to find fulfillment in his love and purpose. It's one thing for me to tell you, but my friends, experiencing it for yourself is another thing. It's life-changing in a tangible way. Once you place God first and feel that fulfillment personally, no one can sway your conviction, just like no one can persuade me otherwise, because I've felt and seen the power of God at work in my own life and in the lives of others. And that's what makes the Daily Jesus devotional community so unique on this platform. We aren't here for superficial reasons. We are deeply committed to spreading the gospel and transforming lives because we've witnessed God's power firsthand. Our team members have all walked that path. And we invite you daily to join us on this life-changing journey towards a deeper connection with God and to live a victorious life. And here's something else to think about. Remember the story of Noah and the ark? God told Noah to build an enormous boat because a flood was coming. People laughed and thought Noah was silly, but Noah listened to God, put him first, and built the ark. When the flood came, Noah and his family were safe. Just like Noah, when we listen to God and put him first, we're protected and guided. Even when things get tough or confusing, having God as our top priority helps us stay strong, hopeful, and filled with peace. So, let's be like Noah and keep choosing God and putting him first. With God leading the way, our lives are always on the right track. Number two, there is the gravity of idolatry. As the book of Exodus warns us in chapter 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. On the surface, this may sound straightforward. Most of us might say, I don't worship idols. 
so this doesn't apply to me. But let's dig deeper. Idolatry isn't just about bowing to statues. It's about what occupies the throne of our heart. Is it money? Career? Relationships? Social status? Oftentimes, without even realizing it, these things take God's place in our lives. Every time we prioritize our desires, our fears, or the world's approval over God's voice, we place something else in His rightful position. Sometimes it may be unintentional, but that still doesn't change the reality. It's therefore essential to regularly examine our hearts and realign our priorities. By recognizing and dethroning these idols in our lives, we clear a path for God to take His rightful place. Let's think about the story of Jonah for a moment. Most of us are familiar with this story. Jonah tried to run from God's command, prioritizing his own feelings and fears over God's guidance. He ended up in the belly of a big fish. Yet, in that dark place, Jonah found clarity. He prayed and turned his heart back to God. And God, in his endless mercy, gave Jonah another chance. Just like Jonah, we too can find ourselves in tricky situations when we let other things take the place of God in our lives. But the beautiful thing is that God always gives us a way back. If we take a moment, refocus, and push aside the idols that have crept into our lives, we can begin to experience the joy and peace that comes from truly putting God first. Our God is faithful and full of mercy. After all, as Psalm 37 verse 4 reminds us, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. This Bible verse offers us a promise worth holding on to. Number three, know about the transformative power of divine guidance. Proverbs beautifully echoes this in chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean, not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. This isn't mere advice. It's a life principle. In our journey through life, we often come across crossroads, moments of uncertainty, and periods of darkness. We all do. It's in these moments that our human understanding feels woefully inadequate. But there's a promise awaiting us. We are promised of God's divine guidance. When we fully trust in God and acknowledge Him, He doesn't just enlighten our path. He leads us by the hand. This guidance isn't about merely avoiding pitfalls. It's about being directed towards a life of abundance and purpose. It's about embracing a journey where every turn, every twist, and every pause has divine intent behind it. Reflecting on the story of David and Goliath offers profound insight into divine guidance. As a young shepherd boy, David faced the towering giant, Goliath. By human understanding, David had no chance. He was not a trained soldier, and he did not have the size or strength of Goliath. But David wasn't relying on his own understanding. He trusted in the Lord. In the book of 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, with a simple sling and five smooth stones, he confronted the giant, saying, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, 
and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. With God's guidance, David defeated Goliath and demonstrated that divine guidance and trust in the Lord could overcome even the most insurmountable challenges. This story encourages us to remember that when we trust in God's guidance, when we put God first, we can face our giants, no matter how big they seem. God is always ready to guide us, making our paths straight and leading us to victory. Number four, reordering our priorities is crucial. In Luke 10 verses 41 to 42, we find a lesson on priorities. When Jesus told Martha, 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 you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. He was pointing out the essence of priorities. Life is bustling, filled with tasks, responsibilities, and distractions. In the midst of this, it's easy to forget the most crucial aspect, our spiritual well-being. The dishes will always be there. The laundry will pile up again, and the emails will keep coming. But the moments that we spend at the feet of Jesus, those are irreplaceable. It's a lesson for all of us. While we shouldn't neglect our chores and responsibilities, it's vital to ensure they don't overshadow our relationship with God. By regularly reordering our priorities, we ensure a balanced, fulfilling life where both spiritual and worldly responsibilities are harmoniously balanced. Taking a leaf from the book of Psalms, we are reminded in Psalm 46 verse 10, be still and know that I am God in our fast-paced world. Stillness is often overlooked, yet it's in these quiet moments that we can genuinely connect with God and hear his voice. Think of the story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. After witnessing powerful events like fire and earthquake, God's voice came to him, not in the grand spectacles, but in a gentle whisper. This emphasizes the importance of quiet moments away from the clatter and clamor of daily life. By making time for God in our busy schedules, by being still and listening, we give him the space to speak to our hearts and guide us. This doesn't mean quitting our jobs or abandoning our chores. It means setting aside purposeful moments each day, even if it's just a few minutes to sit in his presence. And as we do, our priorities naturally find their rightful order with God at the center. Number five, the joy of a God-centered life. Psalm 16 verse 11 states, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. How beautiful is that promise. The world offers pleasures. Yes, but they are temporary. They are like bursts of flavor that quickly fade away. God's joy, on the other hand, is eternal. It sustains, strengthens, and renews. A God-centered life is similar to dwelling in a perpetual spring. Even in the midst of challenges, there's an underlying current of joy. This joy isn't rooted in circumstances, but in a deep-seated relationship with the Creator. With God at the center, life becomes an exciting journey 
filled with wonder, adventure, and profound joy. Reflecting on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we see him proclaiming in Matthew 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This purity of heart translates to a life free from the entanglements of worldly distractions and temptations. A heart devoted solely to God. Such a heart sees God, not just in grand miracles, but in everyday moments. The smile of a child, the beauty of a sunset, or the kindness of a stranger. A God-centered life brings clarity. Like the clear waters of a still pond, everything becomes a reflection of God's love and goodness. Every experience, good or bad, is an opportunity to draw closer to Him. And in this closeness, in this intimacy with the divine, we find the deepest and most enduring joy. It's a joy that goes beyond mere happiness. It's a joy that resonates in the depths of one's soul, regardless of what's happening around us. Number six, be confident about God's provision and promise. The promise in Philippians 4 verse 19 is a beacon of hope. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When we prioritize God, it doesn't mean forsaking our needs, desires, or dreams. Rather, it's entrusting them to someone who knows us better than we know ourselves. God's provision isn't about just fulfilling our needs. It's about exceeding them. It's not about giving us what we want, but what we truly need. Imagine a loving father looking at his child. He doesn't just provide for the child's basic needs, but delights in giving gifts surprises, and blessings. That's how God views us. By placing Him first, we tap into an infinite reservoir of blessings that flow from His throne. Number seven, know the outcome of a divided heart. James 1 verses 6 to 8 cautions. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Duality is a challenge. Trying to balance between God and the world creates instability. Like trying to stand on two boats, drifting in opposite directions. By serving two masters, we become spiritually lukewarm. Neither here nor there, but by giving God our undivided heart, we find solidity, stability, and purpose. Our choices become clear, our path becomes defined, and our destiny becomes aligned with His perfect will. Number eight, understand life's true purpose. Have you ever grappled with the whole thought of why you are here? Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13 sums up the essence of our existence, and it says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Amidst the noise of the world, it's easy to lose sight of our true purpose. Are we here just to live, earn, spend, and then fade away? Or is there a higher purpose to our lives, a divine calling? By honoring God and following His commandments, we align ourselves with this higher purpose 
Life, then, isn't just about living. It's about thriving. It's about making a difference, touching lives, and leaving a legacy of faith, hope, and love. Embracing this truth brings clarity to our journey in life and adds meaning to every step we take. So remember, we are here to fear God and keep His commandments. And to do this, we have to put God first. Number nine, know about the unmatched reward. Jesus made a profound promise in Mark 10, verses 29 to 30. And Jesus answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake, and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time. Houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. So this isn't a transactional relationship. It's a covenant. When we prioritize God, the rewards aren't just spiritual. They manifest in our everyday lives. We will notice that blessings, favor, open doors, and divine connections become a part of our daily experiences. Above all, the promise of eternal life awaits us. It's an eternity, not just of existence, but of joy, love, and unparalleled communion with God. And does this mean that we won't ever face opposition, discrimination, or persecution because of our faith? No, it doesn't mean that either. Jesus consistently taught that following him might lead to suffering, and this scripture also underscores that message. However, amidst these challenges, when we put God first, we are also assured of victory through Christ who strengthens and uplifts us in every trial. In other words, the enemy won't have the final say. God does. Let us look again at the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. After squandering his inheritance and living a life away from his father, the son decides to return home, expecting rebuke. He is instead met with an overwhelming embrace and celebration from his father. This story illustrates God's grace and the unmatched reward awaiting those who return to him. Just like the father who throws a grand celebration for his returned son, God celebrates each of us. The reward is not based on our worthiness, but on his boundless love. Know that every sacrifice made, every challenge faced in the name of faith, is recognized and rewarded by God. And beyond the material and tangible, there lies the profound peace and joy of knowing we are cherished and valued. The rewards God offers aren't just for a moment. They echo into eternity, shaping our existence beyond this life. Now, in Revelation 3 verse 20, God extends an open invitation saying, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. This isn't about a distant God up in the heavens. It's about a loving Father at our doorstep, waiting to be invited in. It's up to us to make that choice. 
to open our hearts and let him reign supreme in our lives. Consider this. The beauty of the gospel lies in its power to transform. When we embrace these truths and place God at the pinnacle of our priorities, our lives experience a profound transformation. So if you believe that you have placed God first in your life and there is no positive transformation, you need to do some introspection and ask for God's guidance and always remember to be patient and trust God's timing. By making God our utmost priority, we move from merely going through the motions to living with purpose and intent and those challenges we encounter. They evolve into opportunities for growth. As for the blessings, expect them to manifest as daily miracles in your life. The promise is clear. Put God first in your life and your life will undoubtedly never be the same. Now, to all those within the sound of my voice, let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me so that you can have all the blessings of this prayer. Let us pray to our gracious and loving God, Everlasting Father, Almighty God. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of heaven and earth. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Lord, I am grateful for your faithful promises, your amazing grace, your everlasting love, and your mercies that endures forevermore. Lord, I thank you for the gift of life, and I thank you for the many blessings you have given to me. Father, I humbly approach your throne of grace, acknowledging my sins my mistakes, and my shortcomings. Forgive me of my trespasses, as I also forgive all those who have trespassed against me. Lord, forgive me for the times I've placed other things above you. For moments, I've let the pleasures of this world distract me from your eternal promises. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare that every chain of idolatry and distraction in my life is broken, and I rebuke every spirit of confusion and worldly temptation that tries to pull me away from your presence by the authority of the blood of Jesus. I claim emotional, physical, and spiritual healing over every part of my being. I declare in the name of Jesus that the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead flows through my veins revitalizing and renewing my spirit, mind, and body. Merciful Father, I pray for divine protection over my life and the life of my loved ones. Lord, I ask that you command your mighty angels to stand guard around us, shielding us from all harm or evil. Father, you are our provider, and I ask for your abundant blessings to overflow in our lives. May you guide our paths and draw us closer to you. Lord, help us to prioritize you above all things and experience the fullness of joy that only you can give. Father, as I say this prayer, together with everyone listening, I thank you for each heart that is humbled before you right now. For those who are feeling lost, 
may you be their saving grace and guiding light. For those who are burdened, may your Holy Spirit be their comforter and grant them peace. For those struggling with their priorities, may you grant them the conviction to put you first and the discernment to choose what truly matters. And for those in need of your touch, may you bring them healing, vitality, and restoration. Heavenly Father, we come into agreement as a faith-filled community, and we thank you for the rewards and benefits you have promised us. In your word, we ask for the strength and wisdom to always seek your kingdom first, to reorder our priorities, and to embrace the joy and transformation that comes from your divine guidance. Lord, I thank you for hearing and answering my prayer. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray, Amen. If you were blessed by this message, type the word Amen in the comment section below. I declare that all the blessings of this prayer are now upon you. In the name of Jesus, you can help us to reach... You know, I'm not DJ and Proclaimer. Play the music every time, you know, I'm not feeling fine.
If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles If you've been hearing the same old voice at the same old life If you're trying to feel the same old hold inside There's a better life There's a better life If you got pain He's a pain taker If you feel love He's a way maker If you need freedom Save it He's a bringer shaking Chain, he's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day and the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight. And we've all run the things we know just ain't right. And there's a better life. There's a better life If you got pain He's a pain taker If you feel lost He's a way maker If you need freedom Save it He's a present shaking savior If you got change He's a chain breaker And 
And you keep asking the question, God, why? <laughs> I know the road, it gets so rocky at times. Uh, I know the heartaches are severe. It seems like life will never change its tide. But there's an answer to all of life here's I just want to say God bless everyone And I thank God for Jesus in the morning And for uh, just my mother's faithfulness To come and do the show every morning I want to say and just encourage everybody That the enemy is slick But God has blessed us with the victory And so although the sound may not be working properly We are delayed but we are not denied And I thank God for the encouraging words Through the gospel music I feel encouraged. I hope you do, too. And uh, this is for Sister Rita. I just wanted to let you know that you have won, um, and you're the winner this week. And so if you check your inbox, you will have all the details there. So God bless everybody in the name of Jesus today. I pray that God would keep watch over you and that you would continue to join and support the ministry and the show, and we will get the sound uh, back on track. So God bless you and enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you. And I'll go ahead, too, and just pray uh, this morning. And if you all could touch and agree with me in prayer as we go before the throne of grace. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for keeping watch over us as we slumbered and slept. We thank you for being the Lord of our lives, for our, being our protector and our redeemer. We thank you, God, that in our times of trouble, we can come before you boldly before the throne of grace 
and make our petitions known unto you. And God, no matter what happens in this life, Lord, we know that we can trust you with our whole heart, mind, body, and soul. And God, we thank you. And as we come before the throne of grace, Lord, we ask that you would forgive us of all our sins and wrongdoings, God. We're not perfect. And anything that we've done that's been offensive to you and it's not been pleasing and acceptable in your sight, God, we ask that you would forgive us and cast our sins into the sea of forgetfulness, Lord. And we ask that you would help us to do the same. The world is not perfect, God, and it's always striving against us. And so we thank you that we can see fault even in ourselves, God. And so we ask that you would straighten every crooked line and help us to walk in the spirit that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh this day, God. Help us to stand up and gird up in our loins, Lord, in you, and stand on the word and let the word do the work for us, God. We thank you that you've chosen this hour, Lord, to minister to us and to our spirits. And, Lord, we pray that for every listener and every caller, God, and for all those that are faithfully listening to the show and supporting the ministry and all those that are new to the ministry, God, that you would continue to meet the needs in their lives, that you would watch over them and their family and friends, and, God, that they would continue to grow in you, God, continue to lead and guide them in the right path. And, Lord, we pray for this show and for Freedom Doors Ministry, and we ask that you would continue to strengthen it and that your word would do the work, God. We know in your word it says that it won't return unto you void, God, and you sent the word out through the show and through my mom, God, and for using her in the ministry, we pray that she would always be before you for a memorial. So we thank you, God, and we ask that you would just bless our family and friends, God, those who don't know you, God, those who are sick in the spirit, those who are physically sick, those who are in the hospital, God, those who are incarcerated in in prison and jails, and God, even those who are incarcerated in the spirit, we pray that you would release them, God, and strengthen them and help them gird up in you. We thank you, God, for the word. We thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, we know that there's nothing in this life that's too hard for you. And because you love us and keep watch over us and we're your people, God, we know that you prepare every opportunity for us. Everything that we have is because of you. So we just praise you and worship you and we thank you. And, God, we ask all of these things, Lord, in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Amen and hallelujah. 